Well, thank you so much to everyone who has led us in the praise and in the worship. And thank you to everyone that's set up. It's incredible when you're church planting, having to set everything up and tear everything down. So thank you to everyone that has helped uh, put this service on. I also want to say a big thank you for the warm welcome um, from Shane and the team here. It's lovely uh, to be with you. And I'm very happy to hear any stories from the team last week in case they got up to any mischief uh, down here in the south. And it's lovely to bring our greetings from the north. Uh, from Hamilton Road Baptist Church. And it's been lovely to have this partnership with Shane and Luana and the church here in Passage West. It's just a delight for us to see all that God is doing here. We pray for you often, particularly even last Sunday, I think about four people in our pre-service prayer meeting was praying for you and all that God is doing down here last Easter Sunday. So thank you so much. But we're going to spend some moments here in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, if you've got a Bible. And normally I preach passages or chapters of scripture, but we're only going to look at one verse this morning. We're only going to look at 10 words. Now we're going to go for a deep dive into what these 10 words uh, might actually mean, but we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. And I want to leave you with this very simple truth. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he's the same forever. Because these last 24 months have been quite incredible, haven't they? It seemed as if on a week-by-week basis, everything was changing. I remember Jenny and I often asking, do you actually know what the latest regulations are? Are are we allowed to go two miles from our front door or not? Um, Are we wearing masks or not? Can the kids go to school or not? Everything was changing. And I read an article that was put out on the 30th of March, just a couple of weeks ago in 2022. And the title of a one-hour-long special was this. 24 months that changed the world. The program and the article that followed it explored the mental health pandemic of the last 24 months. The waves of workers quitting their jobs as part of, quote, the great resignation, the explosion of small businesses. And the special one-hour program looked at individuals who made big life choices, those who moved to new locations, those who find love in lockdown and those who fell out of love in lockdown. 24 months that changed the world. And so perhaps a little like you, I've been reflecting a lot on these last 24 months where everything seems to have changed. And I've asked myself this question over the last month, is there anyone, is there anything, is there any institution, is there any place that has not changed. It took me back to one person. Jesus Christ. He has not changed. The tide has come in and out in Passage West. The lockdowns have come and gone. Jesus Christ has remained the same. And in this book of Hebrews, it's written specifically to a people who were under pressure. They were facing great trials and and tribulations. In fact, many of them who were first-generation Christians, because they loved Jesus, were actually, in the original text, called sin synagogue. They They were thrown out of the synagogue lifestyle. That meant you couldn't buy and eat the same way that you used to. You would have had to leave all of your family gatherings. You were not wanted as part of your family. And so many of them were put out in the street. And if other Christians didn't take them in, they were just facing incredible times of persecution. And so the writer to the Hebrews writes this letter as a word of exhortation, a word of 
encouragement. They're struggling. Some of the leaders, you'll see if you've got the passage open in front of you, you'll, let's read in verse 7. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. You see, here's another reason they were struggling. Leaders who had been part of this first generation of Christian movement are dying off. The apostles are dying off. Great leaders of the first century church are no longer with them. And so you've got a group of, of, of young believers who are, who are waxing and waning with everything seeming to have changed in their lives. And they're wondering, is there one constant? Is there one thing that we can cling on to? And it's the very person of Christ. And so verse 8 is like a diamond gleaming in chapter 13. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, the truth will be in Passage West Baptist Church. Pastors will come and go from here. Elders will come and go from here. Deacons will come and go from here. Members will come and go from here. Families will come in and out from here. But you know the one thing that will remain the same? Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, the same today, and the same forever. So four points. The first one's really long. The last three are really short, all in 30 minutes. Firstly, Jesus Christ is the same. That's the first point in verse 8. The first four words, Jesus Christ, and then into the fifth one, is the same. And as we consider this, look at the fact that he is constant. He's constantly the same. I'll read it for you in Hebrews chapter 1. You'll just look back there. The writer starts with the constancy of Christ right at the beginning of the letter. He writes in Hebrews 1 verse 10, And you, Lord laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you, Lord, you are the same, and your years have no end. You see, there was a great struggle for them, as we've alluded to already. First generation leaders that they looked up to, they're passing off the scene. And then if you look over in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9, it says this, Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for your heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those who have devoted to them. So you see their struggle? First generation Christian leaders are dying off. Then in verse 9, you have new and strange teachings with with new leaders who are trying to lead people away and so the young believers don't know what to do do we kind of cling on to past teachers who are no longer here or do we follow teachers who are alive who have got strange teachings the writer to the hebrew says fix your eyes on jesus jesus christ is the same he never changes but let's take a quick tour through the gospels did jesus ever change When he was pressured by the crowds, he never changed. When they pushed and surged around him, they never changed. Think of Jesus reclining at the table at the home of Lazarus at Bethany. Never changing. Look at him talking to his friends. Never changing. Look at him in the heat of debate with accusation and slander and loaded questions coming at him from every side. He never changed. 
Look at him when faced with the red hot hatred of his foes in the high priest's palace, when confronted with mob violence in Pilate's judgment hall, when encountering contemptuous scorn in Herod's court. He never changed. Look at him when talking to the cultured, moral, upright teacher of Israel, Nicodemus, when talking to the sin-laden woman at the well, when faced with a bereaved widow's grief, when greeting the exuberant disciples who were flushed with their recent victories over demons and disease. Jesus never changed. Look at him as a boy of 12. Look at him as a candidate for baptism at John's hands, as an itinerant preacher riding on the crest of his fame. Look at him as a lonely sufferer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Look at him hanging on a cross, suspended between earth and heaven. Jesus never changed. Isn't this incredible? Jesus is the same. If you want to get technical about it, it's called the doctrine of immutability. Now, we know a little bit about immutability, but we talk about it in a little bit of a different way. We talk about mutant variants, don't we? Well, the pandemic's okay, and it looks like it's passed. Hopefully, there's no longer a mutant variant. Well, to mutate means to change. I don't understand the science, but... But will COVID mutate into another variant form that will all put us into lockdowns? Jesus never mutates. Jesus never changes. One theologian called Herman Baving said this, the doctrine of God's immutability is of the highest importance. The contrast between being and becoming marks the difference between the creator and the creature. Every human or every creature is constantly becoming. It is changeable, constantly striving, seeking rest and seeking satisfaction. But then hopefully the Christian finding their rest in God and him alone, for God alone is pure and not becoming. Think about that. Jesus Christ has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, let's call a couple of other witnesses to the stand and see if this is really true. Well, listen to David, the king of Israel. David, the king of Israel, declared in Psalm 33, verse 11. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Let's call Isaiah... The royal prophet of the stand, let's see if, if he believes in the fact that our God never changes. Isaiah 46 verse 9. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, there's no other. I'm God, there's no one like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times. What is still to come? I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. What about Malachi, a minor prophet? Let's call him to the stand. Malachi 3 verse 6 writes, I, the Lord, do not change. Okay, but you say that's too far off, particularly if you're not a Christian here this morning and you're saying that's too far away from the days of Jesus. Well, what about his half-brother? You know what it's like to live with people. My dad says two things. You don't know somebody until you live with them or you work with them. Well, what about somebody who lived with Jesus? Well, what about his half-brother? 
James, the half-brother of Jesus, declared in James 1, verse 17, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change. Like shifting shadows. But you know the problem about being human is we change. Politicians change. People we love change. Some of us used to be in, you could say, marriages where somebody changed. They didn't live up to the vows that they made. They changed. Parents who made vows of one another, they changed. People who said they'd never leave us or forsake us walk out on us. Why? Because they, they change. We change as humans. It's lovely to have my family here this morning. Here's lovely Jensen sitting on his mommy's knee. I remember when he was just a little baby. He's smiling at me now. But he's changed. He's got bigger and bolder. People change. Jesus doesn't. He remains the same. One writer says this, with human personality, some things freshen with time, other things sour. Most do a little bit of both. Relationships wax and wane. Forests rise and stand for a millennium and then they fade into deserts. Rivers cut canyons and then they disappear. Newtonian physics with its straight lines and right angles is replaced by Einstein's elegant curves of of relativity. But Jesus never changes. What did Jesus say of himself? In John 8 verse 58, Jesus said to the crowd, Truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Revelation 1 verse 4, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Jesus Christ is the one constant in heaven and on earth. You can take that to the bank today and you can cash it in. Jesus Christ is the same. He's constant. But there's a second sub-point here in point number one. Point number one is really long. The last couple come really fast. He's caring. Jesus Christ is the same. And yes, he's constant in this sameness, but he's also caring in his sameness. And we see this as we look back in this chapter, verse 6 of chapter 13. Because the writer to the Hebrew people knew much about Old Testament history. They knew a lot about Moses and Joshua and Abraham, all the great figures of the Old Testament. They would have known a lot about Joshua. And so we think back to this theme of the care and the compassion of God in verse 6. It says, Hebrews 13, verse 6, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So this people who received this letter, they were, they were struggling with trial and tribulation. They were wondering now that all the first century leaders are moving off the scene and then they have all these strange teachings over here and they don't know what to do when they've been thrown out of synagogue life. Who will they go to? Who will go with them? Who will care for them? Who will love them? Who will show them compassion? God will. And it reminded me as I thought about the story of leaders moving off the scene and people wondering about listening to false teaching. It was a story of the transition between Moses and Joshua and the constant faithfulness of God. 
Joshua 1 verse 1, I'll just read it to you, says this. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, just like the first century leaders, is dead. Now, therefore, you, Joshua, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place, Joshua, that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. And then listen to this constant care of God. No man, Joshua, shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Listen to this. Just as I was with Moses. To the Hebrew people, just as I was with the first century leaders, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That's what Hebrews 13 verse 6 says. The Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? Yes, this is the constant caring compassion of Christ. You see, you can take this one to the bank. One old writer said this, God never walks out on his promises. God never walks out on his promises. Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. And isn't he doing it in Passage West? He can't walk out on his promises. He, our God cannot lie. And so he, he must do what he says he will do. Another writer said this, God didn't give Joshua explanations as to how he would accomplish these things because God's people live on promises, not explanations. We as Christians live on the promises of God, not the explanations of God. And so it's this incredible constant care of Christ. Jesus Christ, he's the same. But secondly, he's the same yesterday. What did Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian this morning, do for you in your yesterdays? Well, consider this from the book of Hebrews. He called you. Called you. I'll read it to you earlier in this letter. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Isn't that incredible? If you're a Christian this morning, there was one time when you were logically not a Christian. The Bible says you were lost in your sin. You were helpless. You were hopeless. You, like me, were probably intoxicated in your own lust, in your own sense of self-importance, trying to save yourself either by keeping all the rules, by being a really good boy or girl, or you were trying to save yourself by breaking all the rules, by being a libertine. You were lost and without hope. But the wonderful thing is, in your yesterday, Jesus Christ himself broke in and he called you. Isn't that incredible? Called you. But not only did he call us, he cleansed us. That's what Jesus did with your yesterdays. He, he's cleansed them. Consider again in this letter. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. He cleansed us. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean 
from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Isn't that incredible? Jesus Christ, in your yesterdays, he called you and he cleansed you. You know how sinful you were. I know how sinful I was. And not only did he call me, but he cleansed me. You know, history, one other writer has said, is his story. History, his story. His story of grace in our lives. He's the same today. He's the same yesterday. And then look at this third thing, the third movement here in the verse. He's the same today. He's the same today in this letter in verse 9 of chapter 13. The original recipients are really struggling with, with moving away from the teachings of, of yesterday and from the leaders of yesterday to some fresh, novel, diverse, strange teaching. But the writer wants them to cling to Christ today. And what has Jesus given to us today? Well, he's given us mercy. He's given us mercy. Hebrews 4 verses 14 to 16 tells us about drawing near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy. You might be in a circumstance today where you need the mercy of Christ. That's what he gives you today. That's what he promises you today. He promises you his mercy. Listen to what Lamentations 3 verse 21 says. But this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, listen to this, never come to an end. You know what it's like. Some of you are in a family or you're in a workplace or you're in a context where it's difficult. You know, come on, let's be honest, your mercy and your grace runs out just like mine does. His mercies never come to an end. Infinite mercy. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. For lamentation says, The Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in him. Imagine the whole of the island of Ireland really understood that. Mercy. That's what he gives us today. But he gives us something else in our todays. He gives us ministry. He gives us ministry. I remember where I live in Bangor. There's a little coastal uh, place where we run or well, well it's, it's probably a, a quick walk that I do and I was listening to a pastor preach on I think it was in Romans 8 and he said do you know that you have a pastor in heaven and I remember where I was on the gentle walk being struck by this that I have a pastor in heaven yeah well, well listen to what again in this letter Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 says Consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Why? What is Jesus doing for us since he always lives to make intercession for us? Isn't that incredible? You have a great high priest. You have a pastor. You have a minister. You have a rector. Whatever phrase you want to give him in heaven praying for you. Isn't that incredible? His mercies in your todays, they never run out. And his prayers for you in our todays never run out. It's a wonder of wonders. But the last point. 
what about threats of nuclear war? What about if Putin finally goes absolutely crazy? Rockets start flying. And North Korea get involved. And America gets involved. And Britain gets involved. What happens in our tomorrows? You'll find Jesus Christ is the same in our tomorrows. It's the same forever. And that's how the writer finishes this lovely verse of 10 words. He is the same fourthly forever. Because he's done something for us eternally. He secured for the Christian eternal salvation. Let me read again to you in this letter, Hebrews 9, verse 12. Jesus entered once for all into the holy place, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, therefore securing what? Eternal redemption. Eternal redemption. Let me prove it again with another passage. Hebrews 5 verse 9. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation. So what is he going to do with this eternal salvation? How is he going to get us there? Two quick sub points to close. Jesus Christ in our tomorrows is coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back. Let me read it again from this letter, Hebrews 9, verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear, listen to this, a second time. Not to deal with sin, but to save those, listen, is this your posture this morning, who are eagerly waiting for him? Can I challenge you, non-Christian, this morning? If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, if he's the same today, And if he's the same for all eternity, are you ready for his return? Have you placed your hope and your trust and your confidence not in yourself, not in a politician, not in an institution, not in your family, but what he and he alone did for you on the cross on Good Friday? Have you submitted yourself to the perfect, finished work of Jesus Christ? You can do it today. And you can experience the, the constancy and the caring compassion of his love and grace. You can do it today. What would stop you? He's coming. He's coming back again. And I love how the angels ministered to the apostles as they stood on the Mount of Olives. Jesus, is, he dies on, on Good Friday. He's raised on Easter Sunday. And then 50 days after, he's going to ascend to the right hand of the Father. And so what happens In Acts chapter 1, verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven as Jesus went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Listen to the words. This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come, listen to this, in the same way as you saw him. Jesus is coming back in the same way he went up. Isn't that good news? He's going to stand once again on the Mount of Olives and take his people to himself. And then lastly, he's going to carry us home. He's going to carry us home. There's a wonderful verse in Romans that it says this in Romans 8 verse 30. Those he's called. He also justified. And those he justified. He's going to also glorify. Listen to this. 
Jesus Christ, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's going to carry you as a Christian all the way home into an eternal city because he's the eternal savior. And as I close, I just want to share this story. Lloyd C. Douglas, author of The Robe and other novels, was a university student and he lived in a boarding house. Downstairs in the first floor was an elderly retired music teacher who was not well and unable to leave his apartment. Douglas said that every morning they had a ritual that they would go through together. He would come down the steps, open the old man's door and ask, Well, sir, what's the good news today? The old man would pick up his tuning fork, tap it on the side of his wheelchair and say, Well, son, that's middle C. It was middle C yesterday. It will be middle C tomorrow. It will be middle C a thousand years from now. Why? Because you know, young man, the tenor upstairs, he sings flat. The piano across the hall, it's totally out of tune, but young man, that's middle C. The old man had discovered one thing upon which he could depend. One constant reality in his life, in a world and in a body that was decaying and changing. A Christian, in a world of conflict, COVID, and consumerism. We know Jesus Christ, that one constant, the same yesterday, the same today, the same tomorrow, and the same for all eternity. Non-Christian, what would stop you coming to him today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this incredible truth in just 10 words that reveals to you, to us, our Incredible Lord Jesus, we thank you for how all of the scriptures speak of this incredible truth that he does not mutate, that he does not wax and wane in his love for us, but that he changes not. Thank you that he's constant. Thank you that he's caring. Thank you that he's merciful. Thank you that he ministers for us. Thank you that he's coming back. We thank you that he'll carry us home because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.